He doesn't look at some junk, just get a bunch of pebbles and use some crazy glue and stick it on a rag. This is total bling. For those of you who know bling, this is bling. This is gold, serious jewels, engraved names on it. See, this is how God feels about his people. He sees them gorgeous. We don't realize how beautiful we really are in the eyes of God. And God bears us over his heart. The high priest over his heart as he stands before the people. God has had us on his heart long before we were aware of him. He put things in place from the beginning, which is evident throughout his word. In today's teaching, Pastor Daniel will speak about some of those things that are clear connections to his gift of Jesus, and some others that yet remain a mystery. In the end, you'll be encouraged to know that he holds your heart. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, Furniture and Fashion. Now, I'm going to make an application because it's so easy to do. We know that as believers, we are a kingdom of priests. It's according to 1 Peter Chapters 1 and 2. We're a kingdom of priests. And that's why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then he said, what? You are the light of the world. See, the job of the people of God is to reflect the light of God in a dark world and to keep that light lit. That is our job. And that is why it is so challenging for you and for me and for all of God's people to keep following Jesus because there's so much darkness and the darkness is enticing. And God wants to keep our reflectors clean, our mirrors clean, so that we can just reflect the light of God into the world. That's our job. Notice, it's a statute forever, it says. The priest's job was to keep the light lit. Jesus' light is always shining. The question is, is are we reflecting his light? And that's why we got to do battle against sin. we got to do battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil in our own lives because it's really easy it's really easy to stop reflecting the light. And then and there's no judgment there, because I'm with you. It's really easy to stop reflecting the light. Things happen. Life happens. There's justifiable hurts and all of these things. But the Lord would have each one of us to be a priest of the Lord, to reflect his light in a dying world. Now, as we move to chapter 28, now we get to the fashion part. Because God's priests needed to be all decked out. That's what we're going to learn. Can I get an amen from anybody? No fashionistas in here? Amen. The Lord has got some fashionistas going on here. Vestments signified authority in the ancient world. And what's interesting is in the absence of a monarchy in the children of Israel, the priests were the visible leaders. They were dressed differently. They were adorned with special clothing so that people would know that these are the leaders of the people. 
Why? Because in a theocracy where God is the king and the key, those who are ministers of the Lord end up having the place of authority. Now, again, you read the Old Testament, oftentimes the priests were part of the problem because they enjoyed the power rather than the self-sacrificial service that they should have been serving. These guys are all decked out. So look, we'll just jump right in. Verse 1, now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel... And that he may minister to me as priest, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a rope, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. So they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that he may minister to me as priest. Now notice, Aaron and his sons. So the brother of Moses, Aaron and his sons, are the ones who have been given the place of priesthood. Nadab and Abihu, we're going to catch them again in Leviticus chapter 10, when they offer profane fire. And we'll discuss some of what that means when we get to Leviticus chapter 10. And they end up dying in the presence of the Lord for a lack of care, for caring for their ministry, leaving only Eliezer and Ithamar to follow Aaron as high priests. Now, I want you to notice, verse 1, that he may minister to who? To me. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. The priests of the Lord were to minister to the Lord first. And they ministered to the Lord by ministering to the people. I think this is so important. Because it's so easy to serve people and not serve the Lord. And when you serve people, you will only do it as long as you receive whatever sort of uh, reinforcement you think you deserve. And so if you do all these nice things for someone and they don't say thank you, eventually you're like, well, forget you. Right? That's how we're wired. Listen, everybody, don't serve people. Don't. They will never give you the reinforcement that you want. You know why they never will? Because they weren't created to give you the reinforcement you want. Serve the Lord. Do everything you do as unto the Lord. And as you do that, people will get the benefit. And they'll be blessed. And it doesn't matter if they give you the reinforcement that you want. Because you're not doing it for them anyway. They just get to be the lucky recipients of someone who's living vertically. And it has a horizontal implication. And I think this is so important. I'm, I'm here to tell you, as, as a pastor here at Crossroads, I don't do this for you. I do this for the Lord. And Lord willing, we get the benefit of it. When you do something, do it for God, who sees in secret and rewards openly. Don't do it for people, because if you do it for people, they're never going to give you what you want. And even if they do give you what you want, you'll grab onto it, and then they won't do it again. People let you down, but we serve as unto the Lord. The priest did all sorts of stuff for the people, but he keeps saying, they minister to me, to me. 
And we have to make sure we're living life vertically and people get the benefit. You'll know when you're not living vertically is if everything you do, you stop doing everything that's generous, that's service-oriented because someone's not saying thank you. That's how you know you're living horizontally and not vertically. The priests did it to the people, to the Lord, and the people got the benefit. They got all new clothes. Notice verse 2, for glory and for beauty. Notice, th- those are interesting words. God wanted his priests to be gloriously adorned. And he wanted them to be beautifully adorned. Now, I want to make the case. There is no extra spirituality in frumpiness. That's very tweetable, isn't it? There's no inherent spirituality in frumpiness. Now, don't get me wrong. We live in a culture which is very concerned with the external at the expense of the internal. So we don't want to be, I think it was Martin Luther who said that humanity is like a drunk man. He falls off of one side of the horse and he gets propped up. He falls off the other side of the horse. We don't want to fall off either side of the horse. Okay? Don't be overly focused on your appearance, but also realize that the way everyone presents themselves some way. And God set the priesthood up. He wanted them to be gloriously adorned and beautifully adorned. So it's not wrong to care about yourself. It's not wrong to present yourself in a way that you believe, hey, this is a good way to present myself. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. Even in 1 Peter, it, it, Peter talks to women. He says, don't, don't let your adornment be merely outward. He doesn't say, only let it be inward. He says, don't let it be only outward. Because people for all time have always looked at our externals, not our internals. But it's not wrong to take care of yourself, to present yourself in a beautiful way. It's not wrong. God sets them up to do it for glory and for beauty. Notice in verse 3, speak to the gifted artisans who I fill with the spirit of wisdom. Those of you who are artists, take heed to that verse right there. God loves artisans. God loves artists. God's the great designer. And God tells, he tells Moses and Aaron, he says, listen, go speak to those who've been gifted with the ability to create beautiful things, the artisans. And I've given them a spirit of wisdom. Ask them to do it. And I like that because every part of the body has its specific giftings and skill sets. And that's a good thing. Not everybody needs to know how to do everything, but everyone needs to add what they know how to do. There are all sorts of people here across us who can do things I could never even dream of doing. Not, not even with two seconds of my time could I dream of how to do it. But everyone needs to do what they're gifted to. The artisan shouldn't be like, oh, I wish I was a high priest. The high priest should be like, I wish I was an artisan. The artisan should be artist-like. The high priest should take care of what God has called them to. Notice, verse 4 gives the whole rundown of all the different garments that we're going to talk about. There's eight garments mentioned. The four inner garments worn by all priests, the tunic, the undergarments, the sashes, and the headbands. And then there's four outer garments, which were especially worn by Aaron or the high priest, which would be the breastplate, the ephod, the robe, and the turban. So, jumping right in. The ephod. Now, an ephod, we don't use that word anymore. It refers to a torso garment. It was a piece of clothing that covers the body from the, the shoulders to the thighs. 
So it's like your kind of your, your first outward garment. I always forget what they're called, those undergarments, the soldier suits. Is that what they're called, soldier suits? No one knows what I'm talking about. You know the ones with the little buttons on the back if you have to do your business? Union, union suits. Hey. They need to bring those babies back, don't they? In a lot of ways, the ephod functioned in a similar type of way. It was like your first garment from your shoulders to your thighs. One piece deal. Look at what it says. And they shall take gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread. And the fine linen, this is verse 5, and they shall make the ephod of gold, purple, blue, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen art- artistically worked. It shall have two shoulder straps joined at its two edges. And so it shall be joined together. And the intricately woven band of the ephod which is on it shall be of the same workmanship made of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen. You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone and six of their names on the other stone in order of their birth with the work of an engraver. Verse 11, in stone, like the engravings of a signet, you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel and you shall set them in settings of gold, and you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. You shall make settings of gold, and you shall make two chains of pure gold like braided cords, and fashion the braided chains to the setting. Now, I'll be honest with you, this is a serious piece of clothing. The ladies are like, amen, Pastor Daniel. Notice this. This thing is multicolored. It's gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread. There's shoulder straps on it, totally for style, intricately woven. Notice there's two onyx stones with engravings. Each one has six names on it of the 12 tribes of Israel. Notice done by an engraver. These two stones are on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones in gold setting. Why? The high priest was meant to bear the people before God. It's exactly what Jesus did, didn't he? He bore the sins of the people of God to God. The high priest was there to represent the people to God and God to the people. Gold settings. Notice there's two chains of pure gold. Now, it's amazing how, you know, the Lord put bedazzlement on the ephod. You guys don't know bedazzlement? Oh, I know. I'm raising a daughter, so I know all about this. Notice the gold braids. This is where Michael Jackson got it from. I'm just going to keep going. I got to work on my delivery tonight. Verse 15. The breastplate, you shall make the breastplate of judgment. Notice that now. It's, this is the breastplate of judgment. Artistically woven according to the workmanship of the ephod, you shall make it of gold, blue, purple, scar thread, and fine woven linen, you shall make it. It shall be doubled into a square, the span of its length, and a span shall be its width. And you shall put settings of stones on it, four rows of stones, the first row shall be a sardis, a topaz, an emerald. This shall be the first row. The second row shall be a turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row, a jacinth, 
and an agate and an amethyst, a fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, 12 according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, each one with its own name, they shall be according to the 12 tribes. Verse 22, you shall make chains for the breastplate at the end, like braided cords of pure gold, and you shall make two rings of gold for the breastplate and put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. Then you shall put the two braided chains of gold in the two rings, which are on the ends of the breastplate and the other two ends of the two braided chains you shall fasten to the two settings and put them on the shoulder straps of the ephod in the front. You shall make two rings of gold and put them on the two ends of the breastplate on the edge of it, which is on the inner side of the ephod. Then two other rings of gold, verse 27, you shall make and put them on the two shoulder straps underneath the ephod, toward the front, right at the seam, above the intricately woven band of the ephod. You shall bind the breastplate by means of its rings to the ephod using a blue cord so that it is above the intricately woven band of the ephod and so that the breastplate does not come loose from the ephod. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. Now, we have the ephod, right? It's like almost like the undergarment. It's outward, right? And it's beautiful, right? And now you have this breastplate. And this breastplate was about a span. So the span was about the distance from the tip of your thumb to your middle finger, right? And this thing was a square, right? On this square, it's all made of gold. It's all got these gold loops, so it's tied right here. It was designed to be the size of about the the center of a man's chest. On this, there's 12 stones in four rows. Each one has got the name of the children of Israel on it. And notice, there's a repetition that this is the breastplate of judgment and it's over Aaron's what? His heart. Now you guys know I have to make an application of that, right? Because each time Aaron, the high priest, he only went into the Holy of Holies one time every year on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement, and only with an atoning sacrifice for him and for the people. And each time he went in, he was representing the people. Not only was the names of the children of Israel on two stones, onyx stones, on the shoulder of the ephod, but now it's over his heart on this gloriously adorned breastplate. This gloriously, and every time he'd go in, the judgment of the people are on his heart. And you guys know, that's that's the gospel, isn't it? The gospel that God's own son, Jesus Christ, would take our sins upon himself, that we were in his heart as he died on a cross for our sins. He, Jesus, the high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, bared our sins for us. And all of this is beautifully portrayed. Notice that when God looks at his people, he doesn't look at some junk, just get a bunch of pebbles and use some crazy glue and stick it on a rag. This is total bling 
For those of you who know bling, this is bling. This is gold, serious jewels, engraved names on it. See, this is how God feels about his people. He sees them gorgeous. We don't realize how beautiful we really are in the eyes of God. And God bears us over his heart. The high priest over his heart as he stands before the people. Now, not only that, not only that, notice in verse 30, it says, you shall also put on the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim. Now, that literally in the Hebrew is the lights and the perfection. Now, listen, if you've been around the Bible for a while, you've heard all sorts of theories about the Urim and the Thummim. And I'm going to tell you the only theory that's the right one. You ready? Got your pens out? You ready? Nobody knows how the Urim and the Thummim really worked. You Write it down. I'm being honest. Nobody really knows. Everybody who has a theory, it's just a theory. The more wild the theory, the more people like it. I'm here to tell you, not one person can tell you exactly how the Urim and the Thummim worked. We just know that it was on the breastplate, and it's in some way it functioned to help the high priest come to some understanding on some matters. How that happens, nobody knows. So when you hear some fancy speaker tell you this crazy cockamamie story about they said and one lit up and one didn't light up, it's all hogwash. Nobody knows what actually happened. And listen, I've, I've searched rabbinical writings. I've talked to all sorts of really smart people with all sorts of big degrees from orthodox persuasion, Hasidic persuasion. Nobody knows. Everyone says, well, I don't really know how it worked. So I'm just here to tell you, nobody knows. So everything you've heard, put it in there. That's a fancy interpretation. Nobody really knows. Okay? I know it's kind of a bummer, but there are some things we're going to learn in heaven that we didn't know here. So when you get to heaven, if you even care at that juncture, you can ask the Almighty. So what's up with the Urim and the Thummim? How'd it work? But I think when we get there, we're not even going to really matter. But I'll be honest with you. I would love to know how this thing worked. I mean, how did it function? What happened? What'd they do? And we don't get it. All we know is that it's on the breastplate and it symbolized some sort of special revelation that the high priest was able to discern. But we don't know how it happens or what it is or what it does. We don't, I mean, the Urim and the Thummim, they they didn't even put the lights in the perfection because what does that mean? I don't know. So they just transliterated the Urim and the Thummim. So we'll end with a mystery. I just want to close with this idea for you. And that's this. Long before you ever put your faith and trust in Jesus, you were already on the heart of God. And that's a powerful thought. Long before you ever decided to say, Lord, I'm going to come and follow you, you were already on his heart. God's heart is big enough to bear whatever burden you have. And if you're in here tonight, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, no matter what's gone on in your life, you can come to him right now. And you were already on his heart before maybe you raised your hand and said, I'm going to start following Jesus. You were already on his heart. When Jesus died on that cross, he already took your sin. He already received the punishment. Why? Because he loves you that much. He loves you enough to say, look, I'll stand in your place. I'll give up my life so that you can have life. And brothers and sisters, that's the Christian gospel. That's the good news of the finished work of Jesus, that you were already on God's heart before you decided to put God on your heart. That's the gospel. Jesus is real. 
The priest only went into the Holy of Holies once a year to represent the people. He wore on the breastplate the judgment of their sins. What a beautiful portrayal of the Savior. Today we heard how God feels about His people. He loves and treasures us. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when we'll continue to examine the sacred objects, garments, and rituals within the tabernacle. Pastor Daniel will teach about the specifics of the priest's role and the reason for his position. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through his series entitled Tabernacle. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.